Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast is back for our second season. Bigger and better than ever. Seriously, though, this ish is huge. I'm your host, T-Pain. Every Tuesday, join me and my guest, my co-host, for action-packed, hilarious, inspirational conversation. That's right. We're doing T-Pain Tuesday. We got the biggest guests, new drinks, new games, and crazy studio vibes. You already know what it is, and here's Nappy Boy Radio, baby. Listen and subscribe to T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio podcast. Season 2 is available now everywhere you get your podcast. You already know what it is. Come on through. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Hey guys, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, D'Andrea. We're here at the SEMA show, SEMA 2022. Uh, we're going to run around and uh, grab some interviews with some of the great guests here. Let's start with uh, Vintage Air. They're going to swing by uh, Aeromoto Fuel Systems and the Edelbrock Group. All right, we're here with R- Rick Love from Vintage Air. It's been a little while since... Uh, We've seen each other, at least a, a SEMA or two, right? right? And then there was a weird no SEMA for a minute. So um, we're just going to ignore that and get back into it. So Vintage Air, uh, you could tell us a little bit about the company, but it's uh, aftermarket air conditioning systems right. for upgrades for existing cars or um, cars that didn't originally have right. air, early right. Mustangs, Camaros, things like that. Uh, but also a lot of universal systems, right? If you want to put air right. into custom hot rods, trucks, uh, whatever's kind of going on. And uh, a lot has happened with, with this market in a, long, in a long time, right? Well, with all of this, this is our 46th year. We started in 1976. So we've been in this quite a while as well. And, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. That the, the climate, the industry has changed dramatically. You know, when we started out, majority of our customers were pre-48 cars. You know, they were hot rods. Street rods yeah. now is more than a hot rod. And now the term hot rod, I mean, that applies to about anything. You know, John Force calls his race car his hot rod. Yes. So that, that terminology has grown through the years. And the market has definitely changed. I mean, you know, we're, again, we started out with with the earlier cars, and then we started doing direct fit systems we call SureFits, and that started in the Tri-5s. We started doing things in kits that were a direct bolt-in, worked off the factory controls, and all of that gave you a heat-cooled frost system, modern heat-cooled frost system for your classic car. And then we went up through 60s vehicles, Chevelles, mm-hmm. Mustangs, first-gen Camaros, second-gen Camaros. And now, this year, I mean, we're getting to the point where last year we introduced a bolt-in system for the G-bodies, you know, the 83 to 88 GMG bodies, El Caminos, Monte Carlo SSs, and up through the, the Grand Nationals. And now this year, our, our new introductions this year are 82 to 92 Camaro, you know, the third-gen Camaro, yeah. and newer Ford pickup trucks, right up to 86 Ford pickup trucks. So we have bolt-in systems for a lot of these vehicles. In fact, we have over 175 bolt-in systems. My cars. my first car was a used '87 Camaro, 
And did you have a mullet to go with it as I well? Did, I did not. But it was a manual <laughs> transmission. It was V8. It was yeah. manual. It was T-tops. Um, it wasn't fast at all. But I, what I remember most about the co- that car is the heater core going out and flooding my interior <laughs> yes. with coolant, which is and that was just a common a malady with those yes, cars. It's exactly. just a mess. Yes. I was like, oh, and I saw it, that you guys were doing it for the Camaro. So I'm like, gosh, fix that problem because that's that's definitely uh, an issue for sure. I I remember the. Uh, the systems for like early Mustangs. I was re- restoring some Gen One Mustangs in the early '90s and looking at the products that were out there. And so much of, I guess, was being asked by for from customers was how do we put air conditioning into the older cars and make all of the controls exactly the same? Uh, and you guys did it with cables. You did it mechanically for a while. You did, um, but. I'm looking now, and the air conditioning units, the core product that you have, the uh, whatever you want to call it, like sort of the, the main, it's the inside, inside, yeah, the, you know, the air whole, handler evaporator, you know, basically is what it's called. It's got the blower motor on Correct. it. It's got everything on it. So it's the kind of the all-in-one unit yep. that can be applied to all the different makes and models that you make kits for, but it needs to be controlled digitally now. So uh, we see it pop up in a lot of of hot rod builds and they've got the latest whatever kind of digital controls for it but if you want to put that digital system in a vintage car how are you guys handling that now you know we got multiple options for that we and you noticed in you said earlier that we used to use control cables you know just bowden cables basically a sheathed cable and they used that for years in the oems and then they moved to vacuum operated systems which were great when the car was brand new yeah. They deteriorated pretty rapidly over with age, so the OEM moved to electronic control of the systems, and we did the same thing. But their controls, they could design controls made for those electronic systems. So cars in the 60s and 70s, most of them didn't have that. They were set up for the cables. So what we did is we basically invented what we call a cable converter and patented it, and it's a little conversion potentiometer that bolts right in where your cable went. So you can take that mechanical operation of your lever control and convert that operation to an electrical signal, electronic signal, that feeds into our ECU and controls the actuating doors, the blend air door, the blower speed, and the temperature blend. Right. So it's it's interesting to see because now we have a display here in front of us and there's a number of different uh, control panels that a, can go in. Uh, a lot of them are make and model specific. Right. Like you have Mustang right. control panels, Camaro yep. control panels. And it it looks very it looks like a kind of a newer it does, version. It kind of mix, mimics the OEM look. We yeah, do it that. has we that mechanical it. feel exactly. to it. It's got yep. sliders and it's yep. got dials. It's got a nice you know tension to it, nice click to it. But on the back end, it's just doing everything digitally. Exactly, exactly. You've got an electronic signal, and yeah, we've got the options available for that. We make some replacement panels that are, like I said earlier, they mimic the look of the original OEM panel. And you know, the great thing about this car hobby is everybody's idea, their dream car is a little bit different. You know, one guy, he wants to keep the look of his original dash. And, you know, we've got options to do that. You want to keep that look, you can do it. Another guy, you know, you get like the Ring Brothers or some of these other builders, they completely reconfigure the interior of the car and update it. And then we've got separate controls that are available to do that too. And we can take basically that same electronically controlled air handler and give you multiple options on how you want to control the operation of it. So the thing that um, I know a lot of the custom builders or anybody is going to be coming to you and saying, 
this is what we want. We want the smallest unit possible, mm-hmm. but we want it to blow way more air than it ever <laughs> right. did stock, right? right. So right. Uh, uh, you, how, do you, how do you tackle that? Well, you know, it, it's, as our teacher said in high school, and I still remember this, you know, at some point you can't fight physics. Yeah. Physics is what it is. And people need to understand, and, and we do seminars, seminars all year and this and everything, they've got to understand the way an air conditioner works. And it's not a box in your car that just makes cold air. You've got a system that has an evaporator inside the car and a condenser outside the car and a compressor mounted to the engine that pushes refrigerant through that system. And that system basically absorbs the heat from an from an enclosed area inside your car and then dissipates it to the outside. So rather than having a system that's making cold air, you've got a system that's absorbing the heat out of that enclosed area. And with that in mind, you've got to have a large enough AC coil to handle the volume of air. You know, and I always liken it a little bit to, in an analogy, if you've got a great big garage, you can put a window unit in the corner of that garage. If you stand right in front of that, you're going to feel cooled air. Yeah. But if that's not enough capacity, you're not going to cool that garage. Right. Same thing in your car. If you've got, you can put a real small unit in it. We've got small units, but you've got to, you've got to size it to the capacity of the inside of the car. And the other caveat on that is you've got to seal and insulate the vehicle. Yes. If you're letting hot air in quicker than that AC unit can take the heat out of that air, you're never going to be comfortable. Right, okay. We, we talk about doing things like tinting windows and mm-hmm. making it more efficient. It actually even becomes relevant now uh, with electric cars. We're saying, hey, maybe we get your electric car, you want to tint the windows so the AC is not working as hard, less draw on the battery. Do you... Do you think it's an, enough? Do you think it actually does make a difference? Do you think of like if we tinted the windows of a, of a Tesla, it would make a difference for the air conditioner? Oh, yeah. It's all, and you know, it's the same thing as any other system. You know, it's, it's a lot of little things that add together and make yeah. a system efficient. And tinting windows is definitely part of that. And now the great thing is there's so many tints available that'll block the UV and block the block the heat, yeah. and yet they're clear. Right. So you can, I mean, you can kind of select how much tint. It doesn't have to be super dark to accomplish what you're trying to do, but that's only a part of the package. You've got to have, you know, you look at a new car, a newer car versus an older 60s car. A newer car, the, the weather stripping in them, it's a multiple stage weather strip right. yeah. to seal the outside out, you know, and older cars don't have that. So you've got to be able to have good weather stripping. And good insulation, like you pointed out, in your doors, in your headliner, in your floor to keep all that heat from coming in. So the better job you can do to keep the heat out, the easier it's going to be for your AC system to cool the car. Right. So you need a good platform to start with. Right. Otherwise, the AC is never right. really going to work. That's exactly okay. right. So um, you have a new system. You have this Gen 5 mm-hmm. system. Uh, tell us a little bit about about that. We're really excited about it. Uh, you know, we've been in the aftermarket, as I said, since 1976, and we've done some OEM work as well. We've designed and manufactured the system for the original Ford GT. I said the original, the 2004 to 2007 Ford GT, and we also do the system for the newer Ford GTs, and, and we do some other OEM work as well. And the great thing about that work is it's allowed us a window into how the OEMs do things as well. So we've learned some things through those jobs that we've been able to bring into the aftermarket as well. And and one of those things is most of our systems are, are made with thermoforming. You know, you take a flat sheet of plastic and you thermoform it with heat. And great way to do it, but you have some limitations by doing it that way. All of the OEM systems are injection molded. You know, you've got injection molded systems, and 
the drawback of it is that the tooling's very expensive to do yeah. all that, to do all that high, but they have a high volume to make up for it. Finally, now we're getting to the, to the stage where we have a module that we can use in a lot of vehicles, and we've now come up with a new module. We're injection molding this module, and we're using OEM AC coil and heater coil, OEM ex- actuator motors to run the doors, the inside blend air doors. Instead of being a foam seal, they're a, a rubber overmolded seal on the door, and Again, that injection molding gave us the freedom to make some changes on the inside of that case that helped the flow of the air. So a lot of those, again, like I said earlier, a lot of those little things we were able to incorporate in this makes for a better performing unit and a stronger unit besides. So the Gen 5 system that you guys have, that's going to eventually be the basis of all of your future systems, all yep. of your direct fit, yep. your sure fit systems, yep. and the universal systems. Yep. Like you said, if somebody wants a smaller unit, you have a few of yep. those available. But as far as efficiency and how much power it has, the Gen 5 system is going to be the new thing. Yeah, we're really excited about it. We introduced uh, three new kits here at SEMA, uh, direct bolt and sure fit kits for the early Mustang, 64 and a half to 66 Mustang. The, as I mentioned earlier, the 88 to 92 Chevy Camaro and the 80 to 86 Ford pickup. These all have the Gen 5 system. Yeah. And we have a universal model as well called our Gen 5 Magnum. And then we have a second universal called the Super Magnum that has a larger blower motor on it. So even if you have a vehicle that we don't have a bolt-in kit for, by using some of these builder components, we call them, you can put AC in about anything. And it's, a, it's again, fully contained heat yeah. pool defrost system. And I guess if you think about this, it's like, I don't know how many of these things end up like in airplanes or on boats or, you know, anywhere that you want AC, right? Yeah, and and it said we've done some airplane kits in the past and everything. And you mentioned you know EV vehicles earlier. You know, here at the SEMA show, they've got a whole area dedicated to EV vehicles, and it's kind of an EV vehicle. It's electric vehicle, but we have our systems can be used in them as well. You know, as long as you've got twelve volts available in some instances, and there's some some caveats with that as well. But that's the the great thing with with a lot of our units is there's a lot of flexibility. Yeah, as long as you can, and we've done some boat systems as well in the past. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because, like we said, we've been coming out here for for quite some time. The company is called Vintage Air, but a lot of this stuff from the '90s is now getting to be pretty vintage. So we're looking about '90s Mustangs, trucks, Chevy trucks, Ford trucks. Uh, pretty much all the crap in my garage is is, is ninety Ford's product, but I we were talking a minute ago, and you're saying, yeah, that's that's on the radar. You guys oh, are is. starting to look at it. Is it, it's at interesting to me when I first heard the term OBS for Chevy pickup. Yeah, I, I didn't know what OBS was, so I had to check it out. It was old body style, the yep. eighty eight to ninety four. They called it an old body style. I bought one of those trucks brand new. I didn't think about that being an old <laughs> yeah. body style, but, you know, that's what it is. And, yeah, those things are on our radar because, you know, and some of it comes down to also they were using R12 at that time. The system systems were designed to use right. R12 refrigerant. that's not available now. And so, and, again, they're 25, 30 years old. Parts wear out. You can't buy replacement parts for them. They were very large. Yeah. You know, we've been able to get the same performance, in most cases better, in a much smaller package. So when you're doing engine swaps or lowering the, vehicle, lowering the vehicle dramatically or something, that our package space shrinks. And with the systems we have available, you gain more package space as well. Now, before we wrap up, the other product line that you guys have are your front-runner systems. Mm-hmm. Yep, we make a front-runner system. And basically, we were the, the pioneers in this where they're a complete accessory drive system for your engine. And 
spring tensioner, you know, like the OEMs do. So it brought, again, OEM technology into the aftermarket. And also with that, they're very strong, they're very compact, allow you to do engine swaps in cars and keep a really cool-looking system that also has all the optimal pulley rates to keep the accessories spinning at the, at the right ratios rather than mixing and matching things. Yeah. So, yeah, they've been a great add-on for our systems. And you can buy these complete kits for Ford and Chevy Motors, Coyote Motors. You can, uh, everything from alternator and power steering, yep. air conditioning unit, but also you're modernizing the, the accessories as well. So even when we get into some of these 90 cars, and you're talking about the R12 and right. massive AC compressors, uh, another upgrade other than just the Gen 5 unit and the, whatever the direct fit, the sure fit unit yep. is, maybe it's a good time to accessory, you know, do the front runner system as well. You're going to get your a much more efficient, like peanut AC compressor. It's yep. going to be easier to spin, probably less power to spin it, less horsepower wasted spinning it, and really clean up the engine compartment. A big key too is alternator. You know, when a lot of these yeah. cars were made, they didn't have a lot of accessories on them. You know, they were carbureted. Yeah. You know, they were low. And now you start adding fuel injection with an electric fuel pump. You may add a, a good high performance electric fan, and all of those things take current. And the original alternators may have been 60 to 80 amp alternators. Well, now you put halogen headlights, you put fuel injection, you put all that in there, and an air conditioning system you may not have had before. All of those take power. So with our front runners, we use a 170 amp alternator, and it delivers 145 amps at idle. So you're getting enough power to power all these accessories that that car may yeah. not have had. And that's one thing people don't think about in a lot of cases. You know, you keep adding these accessories, something's got to provide the power for it. At, at what point do you have to upgrade all of the wiring to match that power? <laughs> and usually, you know, and it's only going to take what you need. So, yeah. I mean, you're definitely, with our alternators, with our front-runner systems, we provide a four-gauge charge wire to go either to the battery or to the starter because you've got to have that to handle that kind of amperage. But, yeah, it's, again, it's a, you know, you're building a system, so you've got to keep those parts in mind. Yeah. Most of the later model cars, they're fine with the wiring as long as it's good, in good shape. Yeah, right. But it's always a good idea to think about those upgrades, and there's plenty of companies out there that are ready to provide the parts to do that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Always uh, good catching up with you, Rick. Uh, the company's Vintage Air. It's vintageair.com. Mm -hmm. You guys can jump on there, check out the full catalog of stuff, the front-runner systems, the AC systems. Like we said, they have direct-fit systems that go right into your car. Uh, I don't want to say it's an easy swap, but in some cases it is. Some cases you're going to want to double check We make the it manual. as easy as it can. We do, <laughs> do the engineering do for you. You just you do the bolt-in. And uh, the great thing is you can go to our website. You know, if you're on the fence about things, all the installation manuals are on our website. You can look at the instructions. Yeah. We have some YouTube vi uh, videos available that you can see like everybody else. So there's a lot of information before you just jump off into something. Excellent. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. Have a good Thanks, SEMA. Great to talk to you. We're in the Airmotive Fuel Systems booth with Philip Van Buskirk. How are you? Great. How are you doing today? Doing all right. There's a lot of new stuff going on here, and uh, I know it's kind of like, why are we talking about fuel systems? But I'm, I'm fascinated with it, the technology you guys have been putting forth. Uh, tell us what's going on. I know you got a lot of new kits. I saw a lot of drop-in kits for, I guess, modern muscle cars and some import cars. Exactly. So we've had a, a big focus over the last year or so on factory drop-in modules. Uh, so many of the late model vehicles now, guys are putting superchargers on them, turbochargers on them. They're running E85 and they need a lot of fuel to supply all of that power. 
to make things easier for them, we designed factory drop-in modules that'll go into the stock tank so they don't have to put a fuel cell or sump the tank, have any of those issues, be able to drop in a pump that'll actually support the power that they need. Uh, we started off with single, dual, and triple pump options doing our 340s and 450 pumps um, that'll support a decent amount of horsepower. But the really exciting thing that we've got at SEMA this year is our new brushless drop-ins. Our three and a half gallon per minute and five gallon per minute pumps have been wildly successful the last few years on streetcars, but it's always been an inline option. Now we have options to actually put those pumps in the tank on the 2005 and newer Silverados and the 2011 and newer Mustangs. The Mustang market has been super popular. Uh, say the 1,000 horsepower Coyotes on E85 are everywhere now, and those guys keep on pushing it further and further. So our 5-gallon per minute pump, even on E85, will support over 1,800 horsepower. <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of big horsepower for the street, but what we're talking <laughs> about is is how do we add fuel uh, when we're increasing power or adding superchargers or turbos or even boosting existing supercharger or turbo applications. Exactly. And these, these modules, these drop-in pump modules, are basically designed to go into the stock tank and attach to the stock fuel lines. When does the fuel lines become the, the size of the fuel lines? The fuel lines become, become the restriction point. So the, the pump is designed to fit into the stock tank, use the factory lock ring, and those uh, fuel tanks from the factory are a saddlebag style. So they actually have to draw fuel from one side over into the other side of the tank because you've got the tunnel through the middle for the drive shaft to come through. So the, from the factory, they have a siphon tube that draws fuel over to keep the one side full where the fuel pump is sitting at. So we still attach to that inside of the tank, even with these big pumps, to draw the fuel over, make sure we can get enough fuel out, and on the outlet ports of those, say we've got large Dash 8 ORB fittings so that then you can continue out of the tank with a Dash 8 or a Dash 10 fuel line to feed up. I say having that big half-inch or 5.8 size versus having the factory 3.8 hard line allows you to be able to get that fuel volume up there. Uh, The factory lines can't support that kind of power any longer. Okay. Do the modules require aftermarket fuel lines or do some attach to the fuel lines and then you're limited to the horsepower and then if you want to go bigger than that you on the smaller single and double pumps you could attach them to the factory lines you are going to run into a a limitation with the factory lines Uh, the the main goal for these pumps was to support those higher horsepower type applications and have the ability to easily convert it over to a large AN line to feed up to the engine. Um, it also uses a return style regulator, so it's got the return port built into it also to bring the fuel back in. Um, so it's it, when you're looking at that power level, you need those larger lines. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the vehicles that you're, you're, you're releasing the, those drop-in kits for now? Right now on the uh, single and multi-pump systems. We've got the uh, 6-gen Camaros, which also fits the Cadillac CTSVs. Okay. We have uh, Charger Ch- Challenger. Um, we've got both Hellcat and SRT options there. Uh, we have the F-150 trucks. We have late model Mustangs. We have uh, Subaru WRX. 
We have uh, a new one, actually, that's also new here for us is the Toyota GT86 cars, uh, which includes the BRZ and the FRS models. Those have been wildly popular with doing 2J swaps and turbos or LS swaps with turbos and really needing a bunch of power also. Um, so we're excited to have that as a drop-in option also. And we're I, constantly looking at new options out there. I thought I saw a kit for a Jeep as well if you're doing like a Hellcat or, the, or a Hemi swap for the Jeep. We have a couple of great dealers that make Hellcat swap kits for the Jeeps. So guys that are either swapping into a brand new Jeep it needs more power, so we use that factory 525 liter per hour pump that comes in the Hellcats in a factory drop-in module to put into the Jeep tank yeah. to be able to support those big horsepower that that crate motor makes. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you real quick is you mentioned the brushless technology, brushless electric motors in, the, in, these, in these pumps. Why brushless? We see it a lot, and it's, it seems to be the evolution of where you guys are going. But what are the benefits of brushless? Why, why do we need that? The big benefits of brushless is the amp draw. I say it takes less energy to turn a brushless motor than it does a traditional brushed motor, and also the size of it. You can get a way more compact motor size, so it's going to be lighter. It's uh, going to be able to allow us to fit it into some applications that we weren't necessarily able to do before because of the size of it. But the lower amp draw is probably the, the biggest thing, and it's also not going to create as much heat. The really cool thing that we can do with the brushless motors also is we can use our variable speed technology to speed up or slow down the pump. So when you don't have a high fuel demand, we can slow that pump down to about 30% speed so you're not cycling the fuel through there as much. You don't have the amp draw. You're not creating the heat. But then when you need it, you can trigger the 0 to 5 volt signal wire to actually ramp up the pump speed and have that full uh, speed of the pump and full volume when you need it instantly. Excellent. So it's more efficient. It's smaller. It's variable speed. It's less heat. Less draw overall. I mean, yeah. that definitely makes sense. When do when does everything in the lineup basically end up with that sort of technology? We currently offer any of our inline pumps from the A1000 and larger in a brushless version, um, and get it in just a standard brush or a standard brush with the variable speed the A1000 and larger. The smaller pumps, I say, it's a lot more difficult to to do that. Um, cost effectively, but we are looking at some different ways to incorporate brushless technology across into multiple things um, that we can work on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Philip. I appreciate it. Uh, Aeromotive Fuel Systems. I believe the website is Aeromotive Inc., right? Aeromotiveinc.com. You guys can check this stuff out, but some really, really cool products here. Great display. Uh, Thanks for having us. Great. Thank you for stopping by today. All right, we're in the Edelbrock booth. Edelbrock Group, now part of Comp Cams. There's this massive roll-up of companies, uh, which included uh, Fast and TCI and Russell. And uh, we've actually been coming and chatting with your team for quite some time. But we're here with Chris Mays. Thanks. Uh, nice thanks, to be here today. Thanks for having us come by. Um, uh, our coverage on CarCast of, of SEMA in the past, we've... Um, uh, we always stop by here because there's so many things now 
uh, before it was just comp group and owning fast and everything else. It was, it was always massive. But the the merger between comp group and Edelbrock uh, really kind of put everything under one house. It brought the it brought superchargers and carburetors Absolutely. and some other things into the market that the comp group didn't have. That's right. Uh, and now you guys have moved everything to the to the east. You know, it's uh, it's been a, a, a wild ride. Yeah. To say the least. Um, so the the facilities in Torrance were were sold, and uh, all cylinder head and supercharger manufacturing went to San Jacinto, which is where our foundry is located for right. Edelbrock. Now we still do all of our castings in house for both uh, you know cylinder heads and intake manifolds. The one thing that we did move to our distribution center in Olive Branch, Mississippi, uh, was all intake manifold uh, manufacturing. So okay. it's quite a quite an undertaking when you're moving a, an entire manufacturing facility, you know, across country yeah. as far as we did. But, uh, you know, so far has worked out just, uh, just absolutely fabulous. And all of the shipping, marketing, admin, everything is all kind of under one, it's not one roof, but maybe there's multiple yeah, roofs. <laughs> that is correct, yeah. We moved, our main uh, headquarters is now located in Olive Branch, um, and so all of our marketing, our engineering teams, uh, sales, uh, technical services, we still have several technical people out in the San Jacinto and the California areas, for just from the standpoint of all of the EPA testing and so forth that right. we do with products. Um, so we still have a staff out there uh, that continually does the same work that they were doing uh, when, when they were in Torrance. Okay. Um, I want to get into a, a few of the new products because that's Absolutely. what the SEMA show is that's all right. about. That's right. Uh, let's start with uh, carburetors. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me that we're still learning about carburetors, making them better, making them more efficient, and, and, That's and right. of course, still making big power with them. So part of the Edelbrock brand, this is an Edelbrock carburetor. Tell us about the VRS carbs. Well, I tell you, uh, you know, and I'm a little bit old school, too, so I'm still a carburetor guy, and I'm also a fuel injection guy. So, uh, But when you talk about Edelbrock and their carburetors for years and years and years, based off of that AFB-type platform and a great street rod, hot rod type carburetor, you know, real trouble-free uh, application, but always that guy that wants a little more power. Yeah. You know, that's what all of us street guys and hot rod guys are all about. I mean, that's why we're standing here in this booth. Everybody, you know, it's packed full today because everybody wants more power. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to work uh, working on our VRS uh, 4150 platform carburetors. Uh, last year at SEMA and PRI, that introduction was kind of made, you know, hey, we're going after this particular market and this race carburetor. And so we designed a carburetor and did a lot of changes internally to make this the best 4150 series carburetor out on the market, but still at a price point that you know the average racer. You know he spends eight or nine hundred dollars on a nice carburetor, and not twelve to fifteen hundred dollars on a race carburetor. So we've compared them, you know, back to back uh, with 
a lot of our competitors in the industry. We've had high-end engine builders that have, have done all of the testing on them, and and they're you know they're happy that we've come to to play in the game now, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, it's a great-looking piece as well. So when you guys uh, uh, check out their website so you can see some of the stuff that we're talking about, we'll post some pictures up as well. But um, moving from there, we've got crate engines. Uh, crate engines have really become a, a big business for, for Edelbrock. Uh, you know, Ford and, and Chevrolet Performance have had a lot of success with it as well. That is correct. Uh, but you guys got a couple of new crate engines as, uh, launching here. We've got a, a really nice setup for... Our small block Chevrolet guys, we've offered two new engine platforms, uh, a, three, a 350 cubic inch motor, and then, of course, a stroke 383 cubic inch motor. 350 is about 410 on horsepower. Uh-huh. The 383 is a 500 horsepower application, which is a very nice, yeah. you know, street a- application. I mean, you know, the, how many street ride guys do you know want 500 horsepower out of just a you know, a simple simple bullet, you can just put it right in right in the chassis yeah. and go, you know? Now, these these crate engines, these allow you guys to do iron block, but uh, use Edelbrock intakes, aluminum heads, and go to the comp catalog for That's valve right. train and really put together a package that you guys can offer as either carbureted or fuel injection. Yeah, You, you can That's pick correct. whatever you yep. want. Yep, if you want a carbureted application, you're a little, still a little scared about fuel injection, Hey, we've got you covered there. Yeah. The guy that wants a little bit more drivability, that easy start, like my daily driver, uh, EFI is the way to go. You know, it's just a, a great platform. A few extra bucks, but money well spent. Right. Know? Okay. Uh, moving down the line up to fast, um, fuel air spark technology. I'm, I, I'm sure most people listening is familiar with the brand, but uh, this is part of the comp group. Um, Correct. We've seen quite a bit of development over the years with the the big uh, composite manifolds that That's you guys correct. have been doing. Yes, sir. And adding modularity to them, being able to go into those manifolds and change the runner length and stuff. So really, really correct. cool pieces. Yep. But the next step is intercooled version. So anybody wants to supercharge, turbocharge, why put a huge intercooler on the front of your car if you can do it all That's on right. top of the motor, That's right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So so fast came, you know, came to the plate, and you know our high ram uh, HR series intake manifolds took off with the individual stacks, you know, that you can change out. Why not incorporate, you know, incorporate an intercooler that can be sandwiched in between, you know, this intake manifold and leave a lot of the the piping and so forth and the extra expense that comes with adding turbochargers to what we've already seen as a a very hot, hot topic when yeah. when you start talking about LS motors. Heck, our VP of sales has got one on his car, so you know it's got to it's got to work good. You know, right? So this this manifold that you guys this is an LSX uh, HR intake manifold intercooler. It sandwiches in the manifold. That's right. Uh, and currently, is there one version, or is it going to be sort of multiple heights or or different cooling levels? Uh, currently, it's just the one one height that we've you know got offered uh, most of those guys are, are already seated on either you know some type of open hood configuration it's about five and a quarter five and a half inches okay in thickness so uh, it does take up a little bit more room you've already got a, a high ram in that but you know 
cow hoods are, are pretty prevalent right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that most guys that are going into this level are, are you know, are really looking for that high-end race piece yeah. anyway, you know. And it looks good under a truck hood, too. Oh, Whether absolutely. Probably got the, we yeah. probably got the room yeah, for it. Yeah, we got plenty of room under the trucks, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, one of the other things that uh, FAST has been doing for a while is throttle bodies, and uh, you and I were talking a minute ago that I, in the past I've always had a lot of, yeah, not a lot, but I've had trouble with electronic throttle bodies, the drive-by-wire sure. throttle bodies. All of the OE stuff works. All of the aftermarket stuff was, was a little hit or miss. That's correct. I mean, yeah. I, I remember installing one on like an 05 Mustang, just a straight-up upgrade throttle body to, to go with a larger intake. And for the life of me, we could not get it to run right. We, we took it and tried to get it tuned. We swapped the electronics on a thing. Like, it right, just was right. never really working right. That's right. That's right. But uh, it seems like we've, you guys have figured it out at this point. We, we've, we've come to the plate now, and, and, you know, we've, again, too, we've engineered a lot of different electronic throttle bodies and, you know, done a lot of testing. Because you don't ever want to bring something to the marketplace until you've done that testing. And so we put one on our own, you know, personal, you know, test vehicles at the shop. And I think it's eight or, eight, eight or ten, you know, 10,000 miles on it now. And it's, it's trouble-free. So then at that point you say, okay, what's it going to take to manufacture this thing yeah. for the end user and have the, the drivability and the, you know, the life expectancy like we got out of our OE piece, except in a bigger, big mouth, 102 millimeter version yeah, right. that everybody wants and everybody needs when we're still talking about a drive-by-wire throttle body. Yeah, so it works now. It, it's, it's interesting because all of this kind of leads to all of our desire to like make big power on the street, but That's we right. wanted to be as comfortable and easy as possible. Before, it was like every time we would even call like the comp cams hotline, like, I want a huge rumpy cam and I want to drive it every day. They're like, you don't get to do both. That's right. <laughs> right? That's right. So when it comes to drivability, hydraulic roller lifters was kind of the way to go, right? You didn't have to lash them all the time That's and right. kind of set stuff. Right. It was kind of, you know, high mileage. You can get mileage out of them, but often noisy, uh, often uh, unreliable. Um, and the big thing was we could never really get the high RPM that we wanted. Like, we were always kind of limited for a while at about 5,800. That's right. And then it grew to about 6,200. That's right. And then maybe 64 when you really match the, the right. valve springs about right. That's right. Uh, but then, you know, then you did short travel uh, hydraulic lifters for the Correct. racing guys. Maybe a little less on the street. That's right. Uh, and it sounds kind of silly, like the lifter. This is where we are, but we're making better lifters. So you guys have a new hydraulic roller lifter that can make. It kind of solves all of these issues. It right? Solves all the issues. You know, I mean, you know, we had to take and step back a little bit and look at it from uh, an engineering standpoint. And what are we going to do to make this a better piece for our customer? Uh, customers always want to make b- big power. Yeah, you know, we don't want the lifter to be the crutch there that's holding us back. We always knew that we had the you know best lobes in the industry. You know, we could make the best camshafts. Uh, we got the best you know cylinder heads. We got the best intake manifolds. But we, you get held back by a lifter. Said, hey, let's go to the 
let's go to the drawing board and see what we can do to yeah. make this better. So we incorporated what we now call the Evolution Lifter, Evo Lifter for short, if you, if you will. And it basically takes and puts a cartridge inside of the body of the, of the actual roller lifter, tie-barred lifter, and also OE applications that are drop-in for all of your LS, your you know Fords, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Hemis, all the late model Hemis. So we still have that application available too. So this cartridge is this is the oil piston, right? And that is you've, correct. You've taken this from the OE side of the business. That is correct. Something yes. that has you know hundred thousand mile million you know, demands. Mile, you know, like that's right. you know what I'm saying, like just really really high demands on the OE level. Correct. You've taken this tried and true cartridge and. Putting it basically into the various aftermarket bodies, right? So, Correct. like you said, uh, Ford, GM, you know, whatever. But yes. it allows us to change the height and fit all of those motors. That's right. And now we're not just talking about a hydraulic roller lifter that has crept up from 5,800 RPM to 6,000 to 6,200. Right. Where are you guys going with this lifter on RPM? You know, the thing that we wanted to make sure is that for all of our guys that were looking for big RPM and, of course, uh, big horsepower numbers, we had to make sure that it was going to achieve that. So some of our earliest testing, we our VP of sales, Mark Campbell, decided he, it was his year to make a drag week car, and okay. he wanted to do a hydraulic roller, new evolution lifters, uh, you know, twin turboed application, mm-hmm. but I also want to turn the thing 8,000. 8,000 RPM. Let's go. Let's, Let's see what go. we do. Let's go. He's got to drive it on the street He's to all to those events. It. He's right? got to drive it. He's yeah. got to start in St. Louis. He's got to finish in St. Louis. So he did it, you know, uh, you know, running eights in a street car, driving it, what, 3,000-mile round trip, yeah. you know, evolution lifter in it, no issues. Yeah. Zero. I think he just wanted to, to, to have the company pay for his drag racing. He's so. like, let's I test the so. lifters all the way. No, I think so. Uh, but I love the idea. A high RPM, up to 8,000, roughly 8,000 RPM hydraulic roller lifter. You guys tested it on the street as well. I mean, obviously, you don't have to go that high. But That's right. Um, I always uh, would recommend contacting you guys when building motors like this so we can match up the cams, the valve springs, everything to kind of get the package dialed in correctly. That's correct. Don't just trust us talking about it on a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you might want I to mean, call yeah, and, yeah. And, and actually pick your brain yeah, on Yeah, that's right. On, Please on call because we like to go through a lot of a lot of those specific details, yeah. you know. We like to we like to match valve springs to your individual needs and what cylinder head you're running, you know could be an Edelbrock head or it could be somebody else in the industry, but we can make sure that all of the pieces work together yeah. right for you. Excellent. Well, I think I, I appreciate it. Uh, you guys got a fantastic booth here. Thank you, sir. Uh, to, to get you guys online now, are we going to Comp Camps? Are we going to Edelbrock? Are we going to, what's Air, the best way to kind of I, enter the, I tell you, the whole I mean, company? The good thing about it is, is entering into any of our websites that we had before lead you to all to each and every one of them. So you can go to uh, com, or you can still go to compcams.com or fuelairsparktechnology.com. Yeah. It'll all get you to the same place and you can 
do as much browsing as you need for all the new parts. And don't be afraid to call that tech line. Absolutely. (laughs) I recommend it. I've had many chats with you guys on the tech line, but I appreciate it. You guys have a great Seamus, though. Okay, you too as well. Thank you. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media. Give me a follow on Motorator at social media, and I'll be posting a bunch of photos from the SEMA show, including a bunch of the parts that we talked about. So that'll be uh, concluding day one. Thanks so much. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Do you own? Do you rent your home? Sure you do. And it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling your policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do already around your home. Why not make it easy? Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see just how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. All this month, celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month with Pluto TV. Watch movies with the biggest stars like Eugenio Derbez in No Eres Tú, Soy Yo and Luis Gerardo Mendez in Camino a Marte. Plus, Pluto TV has thousands more movies and TV shows and over 45 channels in Spanish, all for free. So download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming today. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free.